Hello and welcome to this all-new episode of Poetry Spoken Here. I am producer and technical director Jack Rossiter-Munley. And very quickly before we get into the episode, I just wanted to mention as always that Poetry Spoken Here is produced by Cardboard Box Productions Incorporated, a small digital production company making podcasts about poetry, literature, and cultural history. You can find out more about Poetry Spoken Here and all of the other Cardboard Box Productions podcasts at cardboardboxproductionsinc.com. And most excitingly, Cardboard Box Productions also has a newsletter called Unboxed that you can subscribe to, and that's a great place to get more information about the poets and writers featured on Poetry Spoken Here, and the people, poems, and subjects featured on all of the other Cardboard Box shows. So again, that's the newsletter Unboxed that you can subscribe to from CardboardBoxProductionsInc.com. On with the show. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today, coming all the way from Brooklyn, New York, Asiya Wadud. She has a lovely new book, and we're going to talk about that. She, uh, the book is published by uh, Night Boat Books, and we'll tell you about them too. And I just wanted to mention that she teaches poetry at St. Anne's School and is writer in residence at Dance Space Project. Now that's relevant because the book has involvement with dance. And in 2019 and 20, she was Lower Manhattan Cultural Council Artist in Residence. Pretty nice. Now I wanna mention something about Night Boat Books because in the back of the book, when they describe themselves, they say that they like to promote writers whose work resists convention and transcends boundaries. I thought that'd be a good place to start. Tell me uh, what you think about that description, how it fits you, and why. That's such, a, that's such a nice thing to pick up on. I actually somehow that that's something that's so important to Nightboat, but it does it fits with the mission of of Nightboat. And I, I think in thinking about my own work, um, I think of my work as being kind of. Um, at the seams or at a juncture of a lot of, it's kind of meeting at a seam or meeting at a juncture or kind of in between this kind of liminal space. Um, I'm really interested in the space, the space, um, the space in between, all kinds of in-betweens, so in between disciplines, in between um, like a start and a finish, in between an entry and like at the threshold of something, um, at the moment where you push past the ending, all kinds of um, all kinds of abutting, and what happens when you resist that kind of finishing or ending, and so um, I think in this particular book, the kinds of like the kinds of resisting that I'm interested in has to do with um, with what could happen when you think about um, when you think about writing and then writing plus another discipline. In this case, in the case of this book, it's mostly dance and movement. Um, and kind of thinking about bodies in space as a way to as a way to navigate through a collection and as a way to th thinking about this like thread of bodies in space for the collection. Yeah, we we were talking a little bit about you and uh, working with dance. You uh, dance these dances existed 
or some dancers existed, and you uh, and you wrote. Somehow they inspired your writing. You got uh, what kind of notions do you get when you're when you're doing that? Because um, it, it's like as we said, it's like ekphrastic, but it's not a static painting on a wall that anyone could go look at. Yeah. Different things are happening uh, throughout, you know, throughout the dance. Right, right. And I guess that that's so true. And I think with, if you're thinking about um, like which, like which pieces and which moment do you want to um, bring life to in a poem when there is so many, like there's so many possibilities of, of what you could do um, because, uh, because that's just the nature of the, you know, of a movement based piece. But I think something that's interesting to me also is that choice that you make or the choice that one has to make as a writer, like where to ascribe your attention. Like, okay, mm -hmm. so I'm going to look here and I'm going to choose. I'm going to make a choice, making a choice about writing about this particular movement in this piece. Or now I'm going to turn my body and face here and think about what's happening in this corner. Or I'm going to try somehow to hover above like a bird and try and see if there's a way to just catch like a feeling or a glimmer of something. Um, but I think I, I love that feeling of having to make a choice about where, like where to train your attention and how to look and what to mm -hmm. see. And oh, some, some of these poems also play with that idea um, as well. Like there's a poem in the book called Coral Ore. And so it's, um, there are three different versions or there actually, there are many different ways for the poem to be read in the book, which is also a reflection of the fact, just like you were saying, this sense, like, where do you look? How do you decide what to what to write about? So in that poem, you can you can choose which way to read the poem as it's, as it's written in this kind of way that's open to, that the reading is open to how mm -hmm. you want to read it each time. Yeah. And still, like any other poem, once you've decided those kind of decisions, consciously or not, and you're working, then there's still the idea of what to put in and what to leave out. Exactly. Even, even of a segment that you're covering, let's say, covering, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right. There's still that choice. And um, I think that's something that's been really interesting to me in this book because it because for me, at least, um, writing it uh, slowly has given me this chance to revisit it and decide each time, each time I revisit it and each time I edit and revise, revised it over these four years, it's like, okay, now that I'm looking at this poem, poem a year later, two years later, like, now what do I think about it? Now what do mm -hmm. I want to include? What do I not want to include? Um, and I haven't really had that experience in the writing of my other books because they happen at a really different, they just happen in really different ways. And this happened um, just kind of in a, in a slower way. So just those, those questions of like, what to include, what not to include. And then getting to ask yourself that question yeah. again and again and again. Yeah. And having not done what you're doing in this book, I can't quite imagine. I'm thinking maybe we better, better, you better read a poem and maybe even talk about it afterward and uh, give folks an idea, make sure we're not too, too vague. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So um, great. I'll read um. I'm going to read the poem that opens the book. It's called The Order Was in the Hour of Worship. And then I'll say a few words about it after. Sure. The Order Was in the Hour of Worship. The Order Was in the Hour of Worship. Stained glass windows act as mosaic, all radiant acts of attrition, all foregrounded prayers supplanted, all prayers a back channel, 
every pew held our bodies. We turned our bodies to the covenant, buttressed by the Mason-Dixon and all its flat border counties. God vested his attention along its northern border, vested his attention where he wanted, rested his attention along the crest. The only act of God was in the hour of our worship. Cross-board directives, directives that could show us, shower us as a trinity, shrouds of our own making. All exemplars' prayers supplanted, all prayers supplementary work. The sun shone its piercing distance, it shone well because it wanted. The sun shone through the church pew, the sun shunted us along the back-channeled brood. The little tight crest began to peel at the seams. It began to gestate its seams as it peeled back. Anything that has crossed my paths, I would mother. Any semblance of family elocution, I mother. All felt logic familiar, huddled for warmth in the space between us. That's what distance does to us. This gilded foremost endeavor, clenched in chlorophyll, wrapping tendrils toward the sun at every breath my countenance. My long path to wholeness, no country can grant me that. My lonesome three-fifths, the precise mathematics of partition all across my salvage. Yesterday I sat with the ocean, seeking out its white noise, held a shell up to my ear, settled into its subterfuge. I took a sound recording of the waves, sound wave speculation. What's with the undercurrent? All these ocean grifters, what the floats and water held in staunch relief. Yesterday I rose from my bed, Saturday morning, rode the ferry outbound, all New Amsterdam's soundless current, the polyphonic noise system. No language was stayed. I broke with tradition. Hello, I called into a black vacuum. What I got was the virtuous salt sonic. What I got was a reply. Order comes to the house of worship. I slid my fingers through the hot sand. Sun burned my right leg, I let it. The planes they flew overhead, I let them. The seagulls drifted outbound, let them. All birds alight and bruised, if their wings will carry them. Hello, I call into a vacuous island. From the bird's eye, we see the other islands. From the bird's eye, any light. From the bird's eye, pinprick. From the bird's eye, the sun was burning my leg, I let it. I counted 17 planes. I would triple that to count the gulls. I listened to the May ocean. I was still marooned in May. I was taking flight in May. I did my day as I wanted. I was still childless. I took my time to get to the ocean. I rode the ferry lengthwise. I loved how its motor trilled, strumming us through its cerulean back channels. All prayers supplanted. Every pew held our bodies. When we got to the waters, all the oak pews faced the Atlantic to carry us outbound silk coffers, to sit with the words held in the pews. The sun burned a hole right through me, I let it. It was a better means to supplant the missives. The pews got filled with our bodies, our linen garments cuffed by him by salvage. Salt line and miasma, little grains of sand embedded, while the water ebbs and the tides bind. A few came with the long rods named birches, all the branches peeled back. The order was in the hour of the workhorse. The others were in the house of worship. Any small act delivered to the Lord's vested ships. Next, we managed to heap the lumber. We dressed our hands in the lumber gloves. We used the Granberg sawmill and its guiding system. We felled the trees and trusted they become lumber. Wasted not a single splinter. All lumber cast from salvage. 
Diligently, the Vostrikidae emerge from their exit wounds. Circular fissures in the, in the wood's surface bestowed inside them an ardent language. Undo the pestilence, smoke out the dense lattice, the dead rising right to the surface, or better yet, let them live. We built the ship's deck around us. We remained in the pews. We closed our eyes as a protective message. We cupped our hands to our ears and amplify any noise, direct conduit to any ocean. Under the pestilence, the ship's birth is coming together. During the long construction, we never rose from the pews. We knew the order was in the hour of the worship. One by one, the timber became what it could become. When we open our eyes, we're on the water. The Atlantic is a natural line. Wave borehole, wave crest lumber, cadence incandescence, all prayers of back channel, Mason-Dixon bifurcated, split along Garrett County. We touched the boat to bless it, touched all its minor parts, touched anything unruly. Beyond three-fifths is the rest of Plessy. The order was in the hour of the workhorse. Doused our hands in the mineral oil, we blessed it. This our finished vessel, so it would shunt us far from here. No map governed our journey, a nautical chart, a rote index of possible nexts, barren, void, electric language, no map that governed us. This no map governs our journey. With shouts, we tucked them in the hall. For whatever was coming, we were to live through it. For whatever was coming, we were to live with it. For whatever was coming, we were to live in it. We exited, we existed at the margins of the coda. We exited the ocean, all open rendered worthless all over meritocratic, nothing else but progeny. No map yet governs us, because no map governs our journey, and etching anything in whatever substance remains viscous. The, or the workhorse bruised to a full canter, all working hours held in accord, long hours than long life, countenance converge at wholeness. The numerator is filmy ocean, dividend the whole planet, all colonial demarcations held in full credence as if the earth existed, just to suffer this pillage. The order was vested in the red moon. The order was in the hour of worship. How threadbare this trinity, salvage brackish viscosity, the Mason-Dixon covenant. The sun shines its full distance. It casts its gaze how it wants it. And what it wants is the order of the workhorse. So what it gets is the order of the workhorse. Okay. <laughs> so... That's the um, that's the opening piece, and actually, that's actually one of the few pieces in this collection that's written in conversation with a static painting. Or actually, it's not really written in conversation with a static painting. But I was thinking, I was thinking about um, the work of the um, the sculpt the sculptor um, Simone Lee when I was writing this piece, and she had um, she had a um, an exhibition, maybe a retrospective, at the Guggenheim a couple of years ago, and I um, the, that work really moved me, and it really stayed with me. And I went to see it a few times. And then there was also a conference and kind of like a, a one day, like all day kind of convening and meeting of writers and poets and visual artists about the work. And um, the exhibition was called um, Loophole of Retreat. And so I went to that one day convening. And so a lot of this, this first piece, um, a lot of what happened that day, a lot of the other artists whose work I saw who were talking about their own work in conversation with Simone's, Simone Lee's work, um, it's kind of embedded inside that piece. And um, yeah, I think 
I don't know what else to say about it. It's it's a long one, and I had this such luxurious feeling of wanting to continue and continue and continue this piece when I was writing it. I didn't want to let it go. I think I had that feeling about this whole book where I was like, ah, oh, this book has been such good company to me for the past, you know, three years. I, I felt like an old friend. I didn't want to part ways with it. Yeah, in the middle of uh, in the middle of while you were just now reading it, I was thinking, this is the kind of poem you kind of swim in. At least I was thinking that for me, mm-hmm. you know. And there's so many things there. I know I missed a lot, mm-hmm. but you know what I like to tell people who say that about poetry is, when you go to a symphony, you don't hear all the notes, or right. even all the instruments, you know. Exactly. And so you just let it wash over you. You let it, you let it wash over you. Yeah, you let it wash over you. Um, I think that's such a that's such a good comparison in my mind too about a symphony. You don't catch everything, or even sometimes if you go to see a painting, like you can't, you don't see everything that you that you right. will ultimately see. You see it one time, you go back yeah. and you see it the next day or the next year, and you see something else. Yeah. So, same thing with poems. Well, if we went back and got mildly didactic. Um, what what would a person get from this poem? Um, I think in this poem, I was really thinking about what you're saying. Um, I was thinking about what it. Well, a, a few different things. Yes, the water references. I was thinking about what it looked like, um, like what it looked like to try and escape to a possible freedom. Like what it, what it what it would mean to try and be free, and like what it means at the moment where you make a decision to be free mm-hmm. and what has to happen for that to happen. Like what history do you have to know? <sighs> like what, what do you have to know in order to make a decision like that? And what, what all goes into that kind of decision? And, um, and what does it mean to step out into the water? I think it's interesting that you talked about swimming in it, but like, yeah, like what does it mean to step out into the water and to be on the water and to imagine being somewhere else? even when the material conditions in this moment, like maybe they're not ideal or maybe they're not so great somehow, but how do you, how does it help us to live if we imagine that we are, that we can be free, that we are free? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's just very, it's very interesting. And uh, you have anything to say about why it's first in the book? Well, you know, I think um, I wanted to open with this poem, even though I think it's, it is, it's not the, um, I wouldn't say it's like the quote unquote easiest poem to start with. I could have started with a different poem, but I thought that this poem gave a good, it gave, it would give the reader a good idea of what to expect with the rest of the poems. And also Mm. I wanted, I wanted to open with this one because it is so much thinking about so many other artists work within this one poem. And so I wanted also to try and embody the sense of, um, like when I was writing this book, I never had this feeling of writing it alone. There was always this feeling of like, I'm writing it with Proper Seeling, I'm writing it with with Simone Lee, I'm writing it with Christina Sharp, with Dion Brand. It was this feeling of writing it with all these other people. And so I think this poem in my mind, and that's what I hope, I hope that this poem kind of gives a feeling of um, being with so many other people. So that's why I thought I thought I should start with that one. And like you said, you know, I thought, well, maybe this isn't the best poem to start with, but you can always go back and, right. you know, 
Read it again. <laughs> read it again. And folks, you can listen to it again. Or if you get the book, you can read it again. Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, whoa. I'm, I'm astonished at the time flying by. Yeah. I guess I guess you better read another poem because I, I like, like to give people more than a case study of one poem. I'll read this one. This one's quite short. Um, let's see. I'm going to yeah. read this one. It's called Coral Or. Coral or multiple or continental or Fibonacci, or rest here, or notice the marriage of plentitude and then. Coral, or fabric, and selvage, slither slather, and honeycomb, or convent, and bridge, or weft, or stray language for sentence, or long years assume their business. Coral, or took to the bed, or gathered up the blankets, tucked anything inside, primed it for music, took to the bed, or my hands cupped to contain the clean water, or just rest here. Coral, or lattice, frail lattice, and flayed ligature, or gathered isthmus, my faulty dependence, or grip, so now the hands are covenant. Coral, or muted, muted, or slippage, three points, or threadbare, threadbare, enchanting in agreement. Coral, or we have said what we have said, at dawn, then later, the same thing to etch the coral, the marvel, the gangway, the storm, the shed, inside the manual, work or multiple, continental, Fibonacci or rest here, or notice the marriage of plentitude, and then. Do you consider some particular people as influences? I'm wondering how you got to writing these kind of poems that you write today. Mm, yeah. I think, um, so, you know, I teach, I teach children. Most mm -hmm. of my day is spent with children, um, like very young children. And so I, um, I work with children starting at age five up until 13 or so. Mm -hmm. And um, I will say that I have, I, I don't know. I think, I mean, I've, I've learned so much from writing with children and working with children and, just thinking about this this poem, for example, like all the repetition that's inside of it, and trying to say the same thing many different ways. That yeah. I think that in, in my mind, during the course of my day with kids, that's so much of the day of um, of like. Of, I mean, it sounds really simple, but it's actually really informed my poetics of just thinking about how to explain something and how to talk to children. Mm -hmm. You're saying the same thing in many different ways, again and again and again, until everyone in the class kind of is on board and they understand. And just thinking about how children are oftentimes kind of drawn to this, like the same experience, like watching the same movie over and over, reading the same mm. book over and yeah. over, or like one word or one joke. And so just thinking about that, that repetition. Um, so for sure, writing with children has been a huge influence on my mm. work. And then also, um, I would say if I'm thinking about like um, other poets, um, I would say, um, Dion Brand has been a big influence, and um, and Simone White, and um, of course now that I'm thinking, like, who do I, who do I, like, who do I turn to? I turn to so many people. I think a lot of them are actually inside this book. Okuya Pakwasili, who's she's not a poet; she's a choreographer and a dancer. I mean, oh. this this book really is written in conversation with her work, and um, and I'm always returning to it always trying to imagine and think about what she's doing in her work and how I can do that 
do that same thing in a poem. Mm -hmm. um, wow. Yeah, Clarice Lispector, she always okay. is with me as well. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this this uh, Simone Lee, how is Lee spelled? Um, it's L E I G H. Great, because I wanna I wanna mention that somewhere. Simone Lee. Actually, I want to get online and find yeah, <laughs> what they have to say about her and her ex yeah. and that exhibit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I see you. This has been this has been really wonderful and astonishingly rapid. Twenty five minutes or so. <laughs> I love talking to you. I swear I really do. You just say things that interest me so much. I feel, and it's so nice for me to do this podcast because, you know, I get to ask the questions yeah. and you talk to me about things I would like to hear you talk about. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, folks, I'm glad you're out there listening in. And I just want to say, you've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm your host, Charlie Rossiter. Our guest today has been Asiya Wadud coming to us from Brooklyn, New York. Her book, new book, No Knowledge is Complete Until It Passes Through My Body. Great title from Nightboat Books. Thanks. Thanks so much, Charlie. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com. <laughs>